name is Emily Cunahan, Head of Collector and Institutional Development at Untitled Art. Thank you all for joining us today for a conversation entitled The Importance of Black-Owned Galleries and Art Spaces with artist Genesis Tremaine, Mikhail Solomon, founder of Prism Art Fair, gallerist Richard Beavers, owner of Richard Beavers Gallery, and moderated by Donna Marie Baptiste as part of the Untitled Art Online Programming Series. The series of conversations, events, and performances will take place in the coming weeks and throughout the fair, beginning with the VIP preview on Thursday, July 30th, and through Sunday, August 2nd. Please visit untitled.artland.com or untitledartfairs.com for more information and to register to attend the fair. As part of their participation in Untitled Art Online, Fiden and Artspace are working with Brooklyn-based artist Genesis Tremaine to produce a benefit addition to support programming, fellowships, and grants at the New York Foundation for the Arts. This conversation stems from that collaboration, taking the opportunity to learn more about Genesis Tremaine's artwork and also expand the discussion to important relevant topics. Our moderator for today's conversation, Donna Marie Baptiste, is a producer, programmer, and curator of art and culture who has worked with art fairs, uh, artists, art organizations, and brands to produce exhibitions, site-responsive events, and experiences that connect audience nationally and internationally. She has held roles with Photo Miami International Art Fair, Art Basel, Creative Time, and The Armory Show, and has worked with brands that include Lexus, Armani, Co, BMW, LVMH, Absolute, Cartier, Mercedes-Benz, and American Express. Without further ado, I now hand the screen over to Donna Marie to further introduce and engage with our wonderful panelists. If you have questions at any time, please submit them using the Q&A function. Thank you for, again for joining us, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, thank you, Emily. Thank you so much. Um, I'm Donna Marie Baptiste, and I'm excited to dive into this conversation. Um, before I introduce the panelists, um, I just wanted to thank Untitled Art Fair again for inviting all of us to be here and um, say uh, especially thanks to Jeff, hi Jeff, and uh, Omar, and Emily. Thank you so much. So diving right in, we have um, Genesis Tremaine, whose work we're going to be discussing quite a bit. Um, her work focuses on the shape and definition of the American blackface. She's an urban expressionist painter who explores ethics and insanity, the mundane, the inhumane, spirituality, sexuality, and sentimentality. Her portraits are abstract and her subjects transcend gender, color, and social structures as political representative. Born in Brooklyn, New York, Genesis style is rooted in a strong mix of 1980s urban New York graffiti and imagined images of gospel hymns sung on Sunday morning during church. Genesis earned her MS from Pace University and her BS from Utica College of Syracuse University. Mikhail Solomon is the founder and director of PRISM Art Fair. Founded in 2013, PRISM spotlights international artists, I love international artists of the global African diaspora uh, and emerging markets annually during Miami Art Week. She is a graduate of Florida International University's graduate program in architecture and completed her undergraduate degree in theater arts at the University of South Florida. Mikhail's professional experience includes years of developmental work in design, education, curatorial practice, arts advocacy, and community development. And last but not least, Richard Beavers is a, is a seasoned art professional with over 14 years in the art industry. In 2007, he established the Brooklyn-based Richard Beavers Gallery, which is committed to facilitating a dialogue amongst emerging and mid-career artists investigating social and political issues at the forefront of the Black community. Richard has quietly amassed a reputation for his curatorial experience, having curated exhibitions across the country with works by contemporary artists that include Jamel Shabazz, Marcus Jansen, Frank Morrison, and of course now Genesis Tremaine. So that's a, a nice uh, segue into our introduction and conversation with uh, Genesis and all the gallerists. And first of all, we wanted, I wanted to start by uh, discussing this wonderful collaboration that you have with Untitled Art Fair, Genesis. Can you tell us more about this? Um, yes, I, I'll do my best to um, give an all glory to, and, and honor to God who is head of my life. 
um, I'm so grateful um, that I, I was able to, to continue to work uh, in the middle of what many call a shut-in uh, or a lockdown. Um, the title of the work behind me, um, and that is in, it's in talks, is called um, Black Woman University. Um, I realized that um, everything that I, everything that I've, I've ever been taught um, for, for a long time uh, was through um, a black woman. Um, I've never met a black woman who hasn't taught me something. Um, and, and when we were hit with quarantine, or if you would, or that shut in, I went in, I went as far in as I could into my prayers and into the things that I have been taught uh, about what to do when things get rough. And to God be our glory, uh, Black Women University came through. I knew that I didn't wanna um, uh, let go of the work as soon as I, as soon as I produced the work, to God be glory. Um, so I set it on the shelf, if you would. Uh, some time passed and Brother Richard Beavers gave me a call with an amazing opportunity and um, and it, it, what it does is, is it allows us to provide greater access around the world. Um, and so as usual, uh, God's plan wins. Um, so this is Black Woman University, and I'm really grateful that uh, it's been chosen for, for, for such an elaborate platform. And do, you, uh, do we know how many prints are gonna be available and how, how, do, how can the audience learn more about that? Or um, you know, for anyone that's interested, I mean, it's beautiful. Um, for people that are interested in, in, in obtaining one, um, thank you. Website. Um, thank you for, for mentioning that. I would actually appreciate it if Richard went into the specifics about um, okay. how the work is available. Uh, but I do know that there are um, there are going to be fifty uh, limited edition prints uh, that are created uh, from from Black Women University. Uh, so she's going to birth fifty more. Um, and then again, that, that provides that access that we were talking about. Great. Amazing. Richard, would you care to elaborate? Yes. Uh, so there's going to be an addition of 50. Uh, they're going to be available through, um, I believe, fighting an art space booth. And uh, people that are interested will be able to go online. Uh, I believe that, they're being, that the prints are going to be released the end of July, and then they will be made available to the public. Okay. Great. Okay. Yeah. And I'm getting, I'm getting cued here that yes, there definitely will be 50 prints available. They'll be available in Fiden's booth at the fair. Um, art space, uh, well, at Fiden, our art space and Fiden's booth at the fair. Start, uh, starting at the VIP preview, opening at 11 a.m. on Thursday, July 30th. Okay, great. Um, so let's, let's dive into the conversation because this is a, this is going to be a good one. Um, I'm going to start with Mikhail. Um, to ask her what, you know, the topic is the importance of, of black owned uh, galleries and art spaces. And you actually took it a bit further and started an art fair. Um, can you tell us a little bit about why you felt that it was important to start PRISM and why you feel that black owned um, art spaces are so critical, particularly in this moment? Um, well, I, I started um, PRISM in 2013, largely because um, just as a, a person who loves art and design and anything aesthetic, uh, I visited a number of other art fairs and just noticed that I never really saw very many um, Black artists in addition to um, galleries that were uh, where, where the proprietors were, were Black. Um, and um, for me, that was sort of I didn't, I didn't understand why that paucity existed because I myself knew several um, gallerists who have, you know, for many years um, been a part of the arts conversation and have been um, very critical actually to the um, emergence and, and supportive to many artists that we know as household names now, but haven't gotten the credit and the appreciation that I think is necessary and deserved by the by the greater arts industry. Um, so I, I felt like a space like Prism was was necessary to um, begin to have like really honest conversations about how um, Black creatives, Black Black gallery owners, Black spaces are contributory to 
to the arts market and to the, the greater art, arts dialogue. You know, spaces like Richard Beavers, Garber Hearn in, in, in Arkansas, um, Ananda Gallery in Miami and in Detroit, um, Peg Alston. I mean, these are all names that people in our spaces know very well, but, you know, we don't really see them written about in, 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 in large um, arts publications often enough. So that, that was um, a part of my reason for um, starting prison in the first place. Right, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm gonna throw it to Richard, um, um, but really briefly, I just want to mention that uh, what you said is so important because so many of, our black, of the black artists that are successful today owe their, owe their careers and the beginning of their careers to black gallerists who were the ones that actually took a chance on them that gave them a chance. You know, when, when, when black artists were being um, uh, blatantly overlooked throughout history, uh, it was black gallerists that were showing them, that were giving them opportunities, you know. It was, you know, just above Midtown, it was Brockton Gallery, you know, the Studio Museum, if we want to throw it back to that. So, um, Richard, can you talk about a little bit about why you started your gallery space and, um, and, and the importance of having and why your artists feel that it's so important that, that you represent them, you know, that someone who understands the context of the work and who perhaps maybe they may feel safe with. Um, so when I established the gallery in 2007, uh, it was for very similar reasons, uh, was that one, I, you know, having an appreciation and love for art, uh, when I would go into other spaces, the galleries, um, a lot of times I didn't feel welcomed. Uh, secondly, I didn't see artwork that was truly representative of myself and my culture. Uh, and then being a part of the black arts community, there were just so many extremely talented artists out there that weren't being given the opportunity uh, or the platform to be able to exhibit their work. Uh, so my position was, you know, uh, why complain about it? You just build it and they will come. You know, so I took the passion and the drive that I had and um, I brought that to uh, an underserved community when it came to the arts, which is Bedford-Stuyvesant, where I chose to open a gallery, but that's also the place that my family, we reside in and it's our home. Uh, so it was a, a plan to make art more accessible. Uh, why do we always have to leave outside of our community to have access to our culture, uh, you know, and a space and place because I am a byproduct of galleries such as Sabaco, uh, Dorsey's Gallery, um, you know, these are places that I frequented as a young person where I was embraced and where I began to develop that appreciation for art. So I wanted to bring that same, uh, you know, passing the baton, I wanted to bring that same access to a community such as Bedford-Stuyvesant uh, and then create opportunities for Genesis, uh, artists like Lisa Butler and many of the artists that have had the opportunity that I've been privileged to also work with. Yeah. Yeah, and you've had, you've had some... You've got, you've got quite a, uh, a, um, a program of names that you've worked with that have now gone on to, uh, to become you know, bigger, bigger names um, that, that the general art world knows. Back, you know, when we, we, knew, when we knew these artists, they were, they were struggling and, and uh, trying to find their, their way. And now the art world sees them and knows them as if they've been here all along. But no, you know, it was galleries, gallerists like you that were in fact showing these artists and giving them their first opportunities. Um, so Genesis, I wanna ask you as an artist, what, why do you feel that um, culture specific spaces such as, you know, a black owned gallery, such as Richard's Gallery. Why, did, why, is that, why was that important to you? Or why did you feel that that was a, a, a good place for you to land? Um, well, first I wanna give glory and honor to God that that is the place that I landed. <laughs> um, I prayed unto the Lord for the best place, for the best hands um, to take what I believe to be uh, the highest gift that I had to offer this world. Uh, and to make it accessible to God's people. That was my prayer. Um, and it, it, is, it is extremely important uh, to me um, that, that God's people have access to my work. Um, and, and God's people are people of, of, of different tones and colors and shades and multitudes, we know that. But this is a specific conversation around Black people. 
Uh, I wanted black people to be able to get my work, you know, to be able to buy my work, to be able to hang my work, sit with my work in conversation, um, uh, sit with my, my work around academic tones and talks around art. Uh, I wanted to be the best that I could before the Lord so that black people could have access to my work. Um, and so I prayed to God for the best hands to, to make sure that my people got that, that access. And to God be all glory, uh, Richard Beavers gave me a call. Uh, Richard Beavers has uh, access uh, um, um, to a very debutante space in the black community, if you would. Uh, and, 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 and that uh, type of um, acquaintance um, um, from, from, from your community is, is more than important. It's, it's clearly the grace of God. Um, it's how I've been able to wiggle uh, my way into, if you would, the back door, because the front door wasn't open for me. Uh, I've, I've been turned down from many white galleries um, if you would, and, 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 you know, for obvious reasons, because I'm a black woman, let's be real. Uh, uh, and I'm grateful um, um, that Richard found uh, time to affirm my talent and, and then open the door uh, so that I could, you, you, you know, show, show the world uh, what, God, what God has given me uh, to give. Um, but it was by grave intention, you know, that, that I made the decision to work with Richard Beavers and the Richard Beavers gallery and family, absolutely. Um, and it's because uh, it, it, it holds one of the highest courts in the art community, uh, not just the black art community, but in the arts community. Um, it ain't my fault, you know, that the, sometimes the rest of the world is just now catching up to things. Um, I appreciated the rock that God has kept me in and under with Richard Beavers because it has allowed me uh, to give my people access to my work. That's, 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 that's 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 a, that's an abundance of blessing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Richard, I wanted to ask you about um, because Genesis said something really, really important that that I found um, to be true as well is that um, with with the, the difference between black owned spaces, I think, and traditional spaces or, or white owned spaces, should I say, is that um, our spaces really serve the community. Like we, you know. Black-owned spaces, we, we have, you know, we have every, every person from the community is welcome into our spaces. We have every education level, we have every economic level. We all come together in these spaces and, and we use the space for not only to, to look at art and talk about art, to create art, but also to just, just check in, just touch base, just, just you know, how are you doing? Um, we have, you know, uh, I think then, you know, the Underground Museum, for example, has yoga classes and they have, you know, kind of meet and greets. And these are the kind of things that our spaces become community spaces. So um, I wanted to ask Richard, um, what, what's, the, what, what's the programming like at your space? You know, specifically, specific to that community, to that neighborhood. Um, what, because your, your, your gallery is beloved, like, you know, <laughs> it's very much a part of the community. And, and what, what, is it, what are some of the things that you do to make it that way? Um, you know, first and foremost, it's, it's always been an open door policy. Uh, you know, we don't have any buzzers on the door. The door stays open. Uh, we encourage the community to come in. Part of our community outreach initiatives, uh, Genesis and I, we've partnered on a number of art classes for young people in the community where we purchase all of the art supplies. Uh, one of the last programs that we did together was for uh, a group of children who live in a homeless shelter. And we had 40 young people come out and we did free art classes. And we've been doing this, uh, you know, since the uh, inception of the gallery. Uh, we, we did a turkey drive where we I partnered with uh, Carmelo Anthony and one of my wife's other clients and we purchased 150 turkeys and Genesis also participated and we gave those turkeys away. Uh, we're closely aligned with the uh, elected officials within our community so that we can work in partnership with them. Uh, and it's just a matter of, you know, embracing the community and making people feel welcome. I mean, there's even been instances where we would just put a grill out in front of the gallery. And a friend of mine who's a chef, his name is Titus Mitchell. Uh, you know, we've supported him. I've made the space available to him. We've had uh, dinner parties where we invite members from the community to come out to the dinner party, you know, and just doing things to continually engage the community. Uh, from fundraisers, we've raised uh, youth art as a means of raising substantial funds for a lot of the educational institutions within the community. And just understanding that there is a responsibility and obligation to do more than just sell art. 
but to circulate those resources and contribute and put them back into the community, you know, so that we're embraced and loved and that they understand that, they, that we are there and understand and see the bigger picture. Yeah, so important, so important. And I'm, I'm thinking, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, um, I just remember, I think it was your birthday or something, when, when, like, I think I was still in New York at the time, I think it was your birthday one year, and I think Nathaniel, Nathaniel Mary Quinn uh, uh, posted this big shout out, you know, Richard Beavers, my man, happy birthday, you know, like, I, I, it just, you know, those are the kind of things, like, we're just so casual with those kinds of things, because, you know, we're community, and our galleries become community spaces, um, and Nathaniel, whose career is, you know, taken off, he's like on the moon right now, still always, you know, he's still in the community, and he's still part of the community, and he always comes back home, and, you know, that's the thing that I love so much about our spaces. Um, um, we even, after um, Nathaniel, one of his works first went to auction, we had a auction celebration at the gallery. Oh, uh, nice. With, you know, Nathaniel, we celebrated him and honored him, you know, for yeah. that major accomplishment. But yeah. then we also invited people out from the community so that they can now engage and we can also continue the, the um, educational process of how an artist can go from primary to secondary market, but we still have accessibility to this artist who is an international phenom now, you know, but right. that's one of the ways where we continue to right. put, the, put that back into the community. Absolutely. And Mikhail, I wanted to ask you about um, when you, you know, starting prison, because you, you, you were so young, I remember, <laughs> and so, and so uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed and ambitious, and you just dove in and you started finding these galleries, you know, you started finding these Black-owned spaces, um, whether they were, you know, this big, you know, whether they were small or, or large, you were, you went out and found these spaces. And what, um, what's been your experience connecting with these galleries? And, and what, what is it do you think that keeps, uh, keeps the spirit of these, of these black owned galleries going? You know, do you think it has to do with community? Do you think it, I feel like because we're, we're, we have to fight more so for collectors, right? Because we have to develop collectors in our community and, and, um, and, and uh, we're educating our communities about art. And the, the galleries that you find are so diverse um, within the black owned sphere and from all over the country and all over the world in some instances. And I'm just wondering, what is it, what is the connecting the connector that you find about these galleries that keeps their spirit alive and just keeps them going despite economic downturns, despite industry, you know, uh, uh, systemic racism in the industry. What, what is it about these galleries that keeps them going? I mean, I think, I just think um, a part of it is that they're just incredibly tenacious um, uh, and they're, they're, they're very passionate about uplifting our culture. Um, it's, and it's something that I appreciate in them. I actually get my motivation to do what I'm doing because of galleries that have existed, have existed long before myself and the ones that are sort of contemporary and, and burgeoning now. Um, and a, a, lot of, a lot of me starting PRISM had to do with actually having a long, exhaustive conversations with many of the owners of these spaces to find out what it is they needed from a project like PRISM, um, like how we can, you know, bridge whatever gap they feel exists and um, and they're all, they're all, they've all been done a fantastic job um, at connecting with collectors that are consistent collectors of theirs. They have their own, they all seem to have their own databases of, of collectors that, uh, and what I love about them is that many of their collectors are African American or African diaspora um, that are devoted patrons of their businesses. Um, and so in that regard, I, I, I just try to think of ways to connect um, Black-owned art galleries to a market that exists but doesn't necessarily communicate with it um, as much as it should. Um, and um, I just continue to be motivated by people who consistently counsel me. Um, I have almost like weekly conversations with people who have owned art galleries and don't necessarily get 
um, a, a, um, a look um, by, the, by the larger market. Um, uh, some of my conversations have been with you. Some of them have been with, there's a young lady in Harlem, um, Elena Simone. I've had like amazing conversations with Elena. Um, um, and Elena, Elena is like a dearth of knowledge. She just knows so much. Um, there's curators as well that I talk to and who work with some of the, some of the black owned galleries to, um, to kind of create some sort of critical dialogue around the work that the galleries are doing. So it's a, it's a, it's a layered and consistent, um, practice on my, on my, on my part to, to connect and learn from, um, from these spaces and, and to figure out what, what they need and how I can be of service to that. So, so, so important. Um, I do want to come back to, uh, I, I'd love to hear more about um, some of the gaps that they find in, in their access to the, to the wider art market. Um, I'd love to hear um, some of the roadblocks that they, that they uh, have been encountering. I, I, I myself have heard um, from, from some black galleries as well when I was working with art fairs, um, some of the roadblocks, but I, I'd love to hear, um, uh, you know, your thoughts as well. I did want to, since Genesis is sitting um, right in front of the, the beautiful, um, her beautiful painting, uh, Black Women University, I, I just wondered if you could tell the audience a little bit about your technique and a little bit about um, the thought process behind this work. Um, uh, I'll do my best to. Um, thank you for asking me that. Um, um, I, I, I often refer to my studio space as, as my kitchen. Um, so, you know, I, I frequent my kitchen um, and I cook in my kitchen, if you would, with the Lord every single day. Um, every, every time that I get a chance, I go into my kitchen and I pray. Uh, I, I pray for the day. I pray for my family. I pray for my friends, loved ones, and, and the things that are going on in the world, if you would. Uh, and in doing so, I go deeper into prayer. Um, sometimes I, uh, I, I light incense. You know, sometimes I, I light a candle. You know, I set the mood, you know, for the Lord, if you will. Um, and then, and then uh, I turned up my gospel. That's highly, that's critically important. Uh, I'm a huge fan of contemporary gospel music. Uh, I set my pain up. And um, I always say this. I don't quite know where the angels take me, but I know that with the Lord, I am safe. Um, and, and, and sometimes I come out with a... Um, a marvelous rendition of, of all that, that I, I, I was consumed in prayer by. Um, and this time around uh, with the piece behind me, uh, it, it, it was this work. Um, uh, there's, there's really a, um, a very evident uh, a space between myself and my work uh, 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 that exists uh, solely in prayer. So a lot of that specific space and span around that part of the process is inexplainable. Um, and I'm grateful that uh, the evidence of that space looks as such, and I'm grateful that it's being received as such. Um, and as far as uh, naming uh, the piece, uh, Black Woman University, again, I went into prayer. You know, what do you call such a thing? You know, come on, Lord, help me out. Uh, we call this work. Um, and I, I, to be honest with you, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the lessons that I've been taught through uh, recent experiences in the art world, if you would. And one of the things that often comes up is that, um, that I am a self-taught painter, if you would. Um, and I really think that that pulls away from the formality uh, from my brushstroke. It pulls away from the passion and, and, and academia of my knowledge as a painter. Um, I'm actually quite sharp um, um, uh, in the Lord, if you would. And I think that all of that is consumed largely because I, I, I was birthed this time as a black woman. Um, and I think that it's important that I do uh, the best I can to pay as much homage to the Black woman as I possibly can in my lifetime. Um, so I was very intentional uh, with, in, in titling uh, the work the way I did, uh, but I'm grateful to God for the goal uh, to give to this world uh, the best parts of me, and, and, and that, that, that's through the lens of being a Black woman. I, I want to say this because it's really important. Um, Working with a Black gallery also really, really allows me uh, uh, to be all of me. Uh, when you mention things like community, intentional community, uh, and you mention things like uh, creating intentional spaces, 
Um, it allows me to paint with intention uh, under the grace of God, if you will, and to title works with intention because I know that I'm painting within a legacy that uh, is beyond my understanding, but it is critically, critically important uh, uh, to, to, to my community. Um, and so I'm grateful um, to have that, you know, the gall, you know, and, and the guts uh, to name a piece uh, Black Woman University and to title it something that means something to me, uh, but really it's, it's an attempt to pay homage uh, to all that I come from. So it's, um, it's, it's, all, it's acrylic, it's acrylic on canvas. Um, well, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's acrylic, it's mm -hmm. some spray paint, it's some oil sticks, you know, okay. there's some very formative material. And then there's this special, special material that I refer to as uh, putty. Um, it, I, I named it Putty, you know, I called my grandmother recently, I asked, I said, Nana, you know, I asked about the story, you know, kind of remind her of spaces where we used to make this, this, this sort of paint mixture uh, in her kitchen. And she, of course she, you know, shushed me away and told me how unimportant it was. But when we got down to the nitty gritty of it, uh, she, she still didn't name it. So I, I've been referring to it as Putty. But when I was a little girl, my grandmother taught me um, how to make a whole lot from very little. My grandmother taught me that I, I, I really didn't need a lot of the things uh, that I would norm, that, that one might normally need in, in a paint store. Paint stores were not available to me when I was a little girl. So quarantine, if you would, is interesting, right? Because I didn't have, uh, paint available to me, but I did have things like eggs and I did have things like flour, you know, and I had some other things. I have several things in my kitchen that are included in uh, my putty, as my Nana taught me, uh, again, to make a lot out of a little. And then you add some color to it and then it becomes a pigment. Uh, and then, of course, that, that has a lot to do with the background of the work. Um, so, yeah, so that's also included in the process. Um, 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 my Nana's sea salt, I began painting with that uh, maybe a, a year ago. Um, I came out of that from prayer and I kind of kept going with that. Um, so it's all a part of the process. Um, uh, Spirit told me to mix some things in. I mix some things in. When you're in the kitchen and you're cooking and, and I'm painting and I'm doing what it is that God gave me to do, I don't ask too many questions. So if you use everything that's in the art store, then you'll get what's in the art store. I'll keep creating what the art world has seen, if you will. But if I pray unto my Lord for what it is that I'm supposed to do in this world, then that means that I've got to go into the Black University. I've got to go back into my grandmother's cupboard and pull the lessons that I was that, that, that have been ingrained in me um, and then celebrate that. And I get to celebrate that in really, really critical Black spaces that is amazing <laughs> that's such a blessing oh that's so that's really interesting i mean that makes the work now i'm like i wish now i could wish i could see it in person you know that's <laughs> that's, that's that's what's hard that's what's so hard about quarantine because now i want to see the putty like i want to see all of that texture i want to see what's going on in there well, um, I, I, I love that, that this all creates spaces for us to get deeper and closer. And, and those things become uh, even more important. Um, and we get to highlight those spaces uh, from the artist to the viewer, if you would, as, 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 as you know, more than maybe we, we, we do normally. Um, I've been really, really fortunate uh, to be able to, um, to include things like my putty, if you would, on, 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 the, on, on walls of legacy. One of the first things that Richard Beavers allowed me to do in his gallery was paint on walls <laughs> with my grandmother's putty. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I recall most when I walked into prison the first time was the eloquence of the drum. Not only did I see beautiful Black people who were buying and purchasing and creating the artwork and the walls, but I felt the vibration, if you would, of, of what it feels feels like to create art uh, and to show art and to show out when you do. Um, and so uh, this is a critical, critical time um, for artists and Black artists in particular to, to be mindful uh, uh, that our communities are here for us, they are pushing for us, uh, they are, they, they hear us, uh, they're looking for us too. Um, and, and, and shout out, I really mean that to, to, to how important spaces like PRISM have been to my career. Um, I, could, I, I could never reclaim if you would, so, so, so I don't necessarily have the words maybe, but I'm grateful uh, uh, for that red carpet. Truly, truly, um, those, those, those mustard seeds are, are critical. They have been critical for me. And likewise, of course, to the Richard Beavers Gallery and then some, right? Um, when you, when you ask me about a process, uh, it's, it's more than just creating one work. Uh, I'm aware, I'm constantly reminded uh, through, through the mentorship that I received from, from working through uh, this, the, the Black communities uh, that have hugged me and welcomed me and loved me. In particular, the Richard Beavers Gallery uh, has, has really, really um, 
created such a, a, a man a unique platform uh, for such a for, for 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 such a unique creative, if you would, uh, to be present. Uh, enough in myself and enough in like the world around me to have enough room uh, to hear the Lord that we serve well enough to create these types of works. And so, I don't know. I'm just, I'm I'm so grateful, but but I hope we understand um, the unique importance of um, of black spaces. Uh, yeah, it 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 there is there's nothing like them. <laughs> they're authentic. <laughs> That's why they're amazing. <laughs> there's an authenticity around uh, 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 the structure. Uh, it's more than just a show. Uh, it's a space, it's like a church, if you would. So of course the work vibrates on the walls uh, in these spaces. Um, um, I don't necessarily have to call Richard to ask, what is the work going to look like the day before? You know what I'm saying? I, I know that the Rock Hymn is going to help him connect to where I was in my gospel, if you would, and we're going to flow and move with an amazing show. I know that when I walk into the, to, to, to prism, that the walls are going to be sharp and magnificent. I know that I'm showing with some of the, 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 the most amazing uh, Black artists in the world, perhaps the country. It is a glorious, glorious church. Um, and that's a unique experience um, that I've been blessed to, 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 to be a part of um, um, and to continue to grow through. And Black Woman University uh, uh, has been encouraged through those types of spaces, of course, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's the thing that's so important about spaces like Black-owned spaces. And, you know, PRISM, and, and the thing that I love about PRISM is, you know, PRISM has been an entry point for young Black artists or artists that, or first-time artists, you know, artists that are showing for their first time, regardless of, of, of age. Um, because I know that, you know, art fairs are platforms for galleries, and the galleries are platforms for artists. So you don't have access, if you are unable to be in that, in that art fair space, then you don't have a platform for your artists. Um, so I think that that's the thing that PRISM has been able to give uh, young black artists is access, it's like an entry point. Um, and that's really exciting. I mean, it's always been, it's always exciting to go there and see, um, to see the, 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 the variety of work that's available at, at very, very accessible price points that also introduce uh, black people to collecting where it's like, listen, you don't have to spend the hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy art. You, know, you can buy art from any, any price point, from $5 to $500 to $5,000 to $5 million. So it just all depends on their on the artist market at that time. One another thing about black-owned spaces, I think, is that it gives um, it's it, it's a source of comfort, you know, and empowerment for for, for artists. Uh, when you're when you're you know uh, Genesis that showing your work, I always say this is like putting your soul out for the world to judge. You know, I can imagine being an artist and having everyone looking and critiquing and judging my work. Um, that's that's very that's very difficult, and and it helps if you can be in a space like a black and gallery where you feel protected somewhat. Let's see. Maybe we could talk more about the relationship between black owned spaces and the mainstream art world. Um, let's see. I'm reading from it. Let's see. It, it is vitally important important as as some of our artists move on to higher tiered galleries that they maintain a relationship with the gallery that initially helped amplify their work. If a gallery has established a deep relationship with an artist, why can't that artist still make a few works available to them per year as well? Also, we should disrupt the model and work amongst each other to amplify artists together across platforms. And I'd like to take that even a step further. Is like, yeah. why is it? Why is it that? Um, why is it that black-owned galleries can't themselves be the terminal point for black? For black, um, for black artists, why does a black artist have to say go to what it, what what is considered a higher tiered um, gallery like a I don't know Gagosian or or space like that in order to be to be why can't Richard Beavers be that for them? Um, and I I think I think that's what I would like to see more of. I'd like to see you know black owned galleries get the validation. By the market that they that they require and need, so that any patron, every patron can go to 
a Richard Beavers, a Peg Austin, a, a Nambi Gallery, and um, and the, and and they're getting the support that they need, such that Richard Beavers can can actually be of support to to their artists because they'll get the patronage they need. Yeah, Richard. I, I want to. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I, I absolutely agree, and I believe that Genesis and and myself that we've kind of set a precedence with what we've been able to accomplish um, within the very short period of time that we've worked together, uh, where there was a lot of interest in Genesis's work and her career, uh, but she remained loyal, you know, to what I like to call uh, a friend of mine who's an artist at her heart and soul gallery, where the opportunities are still presented, uh, where she's now working and represented through Almi Reich Gallery in London and Shanghai, but we still maintain our relationship here in the States. So now it's a partnership that exists. And I think that um, artists, particularly black artists, have to begin to have a better understanding of the business aspect of it and the leverage that they also yield in the sense that they don't have to pull away from their heart and soul gallery. Uh, another part that I'd like to add is that, uh, and I can use my program you know, as an example, is that on many occasions, I have applied to um, the mainstream art fairs and our applications have been denied. But these same artists that were represented through the gallery now move on to other programs and these galleries are gaining entry into these fairs with these same exact artists. So we see more of a representation of black artists in the fairs, but we see very few examples of black owned galleries in these fairs. So you receive a letter in the mail saying that your application was denied but there's no transparency as to why your application was not accepted. And what does your program need to do moving forward to be better positioned to be accepted into these fairs? So a lot of it has to do once again with that word access and resources. Yeah, it's and access. And building relationships. Yes, and I can speak to that because I have worked for art fairs and I know exactly how they work. So um, another a problem that I think, and this is, this is, this is my opinion, um, is that, you know, um, galleries decide what galleries get into art fairs. I, I never really understood that, 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 you know, that, um, that's, you know, for most art fairs, you have other galleries that are the designers of who gets in and who doesn't get in. So if you don't have a relationship with, or you don't perhaps, um, run in the same circles, as some of these galleries, or maybe your program isn't up to the level, quote unquote, of, of these other galleries, then you won't be accepted. But again, like you said, if you're not getting feedback as to what you need to do, what, you know, how you can change, what needs to be better, what could, you know, then how are you ever going to gain access? And so it's kind of a vicious cycle of, um, of, lack of a lack of representation i mean we just if you know we don't have a seat at the table because we can't get in you know in order to have a seat at the table you know these selection committees you have to be a gallerist in order to get on you have to have been a gallerist or be a gallerist to be on the selection committees of some of these larger fairs right well if you can't get in then how can you ever get a seat at the table how can you ever help other black galleries get in so, and a lot of times also we have to remember that these young galleries, these uh, black gallerists, you guys are constantly having your artists coached by the larger galleries. So of course they don't want you to come in, bringing your program in when they're coaching your gal, your artists, so that they can bring them into the fair. Mm -hmm. So I think that we need to, we need to disrupt the system. You know, we need to figure out a way. And I think Mikhail, um, in, in her early wisdom was like, well, that's what she was trying to do with PRISM. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mikhail, but I, you know, we had this conversation back in 2013, I think when we were first starting PRISM, and I was in New York at the time. And, um, and I, I believe that's, you know, that's it. It's about disrupting this model and disrupting this because if, if, if it's allowed to continue, we're going to be kept, we're going to be continually kept out. And I think too, what I think is so beautiful about Richard's relationship with, um, the Genesis and Genesis um, um, arts practice is that Genesis as an artist has taken on the onus herself to decide 
that I am going to be loyal to this gallery who has given me all these opportunities. Um, and as you, as you mentioned earlier, you called, you called Richard Beavers your heart and soul gallery. Um, and sometimes, you know, art, artists actually are the ones who have the power to decide what, who, who's going to validate their work, who's going to make their work important in this art space. And, you know, Genesis has made a very clear choice on what she wants to do and who she wants to work with. Um, and I think any artist can do that. Any artist can decide, you know what, this is the gallery that I've been working with for the past five years. We've, 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 we've had record sales. I want to continue to work with them. And quite frankly, um, I want my, my career to continue in that direction with this gallery. Yeah. Um, and it forces collectors to decide, well, if you want this artist's work, you have to get it from this, from this gallery. Um, so I think ultimately, artists have to decide what they want to do and how they want, how they want to be complicit in shaping the market. And they, they're the ones who have the power to do that. Very good point. Richard. Um, um, oh, sorry. I, I just, I, I wanted to mention something just really, really quickly. Um, I, I agree that, um, that we, we all have to be critically in, intentional about uh, the spaces that we affirm and, 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 and our choices, like point blank and period. Um, I, 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 I was told a lot um, initially, I wanna be really, really honest about this. I was told initially that working with the black gallery meant that I would not be able to reach the acclaim that, that we have been. Um, and to God be all glory, we've surpassed uh, my wildest dreams at least, and we're still climbing uh, to God be all glory. Um, um, and if I stray away from um, um, what I've been taught thus far, and that is that you uh, you always hold your community when you're when you're marching forward. Um, you always hold on and take care of your neighbor, if you would, when you're marching forward. I wouldn't be the the you know the woman or the person that I am. I wouldn't. I would just be a, a painter, if you would, if if I wasn't uh, uh, intentionally carrying uh, the weight that I've been given to carry um, and move with. And um, I just I just think that um. You can be intentional about all of it. <laughs> you can be intentional about your contracts, artists. You can be intentional about the galleries you work with, the collectors uh, that you work with, should you decide to sell your work. Um, you, can do, you, can be, you can be intentional about all of it. And I think one of the things that the art world uh, creates in our mind is that you have one chance and that it, it has to have a white face in, in order for you to pop. And it's unfortunate that that has been the case, uh, but it's, 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 not, it's not the reality. Uh, if you would uh, uh, create your own lane. Uh, don't wait for the example, be the example. Uh, don't wait for the answer, be the answer. When you don't know what to do, pray, pray to God for what to do. That's what I did. You know what I'm saying? But as far as like that word intentional, be intentional about all of your footsteps in your day as a, as a painter, as an artist. If you, if you really, really mean it, then that means sometimes you're going to have to say no. Don't lean on the fact that people in your community can't help you. I wouldn't be where I am without the people in my community helping me. Um, and that's because they were intentional about helping me. <laughs> Richard Bieber's was very intentional about helping me. Mikhail was very intentional in her footsteps uh, in moving forward to help uh, uh, artists and galleries to, uh, to get to that safe space, if you would, to show up. So, you, it, you know, be intentional about all of it. Like, don't take any, 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 any sidesteps in that. That's such a, a really, really important word. I don't want to skip over that, but we all have a grave responsibility to be intentional. There are spaces where I, um, I wasn't, I can, I can think of collectors who, who uh, turned my work down initially when Richard Beavers introduced them to them. And until uh, uh, it went overseas and, and received some type of blue chip acclaim, did we get certain attention? So we have a, we all have a grave, grave responsibility uh, uh, to hold ourselves to the excellence that we are. Yeah, I, I know you have something to say. <laughs> no, absolutely, and um, just to continue to uh, build off of that is that the the black collectors also play a major part in this. You know, in a sense, in where they're sourcing the work from, are they supporting uh, black-owned galleries? Are they going out and being intentional and in supporting Prism? You know, on opening night at Prism. There should be a line outside of that a tremendously successful and phenomenal fair that has been put together. And I say is one of the best curated fairs that I've ever participated in. Uh, you know, so we all have a responsibility 
uh, and going back to the artists, you know, with working with Genesis, it, it's not just about uh, selling art. Like we've helped Genesis through every stage of her career. Uh, our team, Jeremiah Ojo, uh, who does the strategy and consultants for the gallery, you know, we are a powerhouse team. And as I said earlier, we, we've set a precedent and we've put forth an example of how this can be accomplished because when black owned galleries put the very limited resources and time into nurturing and developing an artist's career. And then as soon as that artist begins to gain some national acclaim, these other dealers come in and they poach them right away from the gallery. And these galleries don't get anything in return and it's a complete disregard. And it's also operating from a place of privilege. Because it, it absolutely is. Because as you said earlier, if galleries are the determining which other galleries are being allowed or accepted into these fairs, you know that black artists are, are, are faced with a dilemma. Do I stay loyal to this gallery and my career possibly stay stagnant or do I take this opportunity that's presented to me because the black gallery can only take me but so far? You know, it's, it's a real serious conversation. Then it turns around now that you get phone calls from black collectors who no longer have accessibility to the work because these galleries are not selling or placing the work with them so now we're also talking about cultural capital. Now we're talking, absolutely. And that's a larger conversation. Because that's a larger conversation. It's, it's <laughs> cultural capital and how that is being monopolized and being monopolized. And there's a certain group of people who now have access to the work. And when these artists' careers grow and the work appreciates in value, now who has something on their wall that they can pass down to their children? But who has about, something on? This is about generational wealth. Generational wealth, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, so I would just like to see artists, um, black collectors, black gallerists, um, institutions, uh, uh, art fairs, have this conversation together on how do we approach this and leverage it so that we're not just coming at this individually because there's more power in numbers and, and, and being unified. Uh, and you, you know, you have to give back to that program because if a Richard Beavers gallery no longer exists, then how does the next Bisa Butler, how does the next Genesis Tremaine or Phyllis Stevens or all of these other artists that are working with these black owned galleries, how are these opportunities going to continually be created? And where does the access for black collectors that we're also educating and inspiring that next generation when it comes to the arts that you can be successful in there. There is a space and a place for you. Yeah, I have, I have some great questions. Um, so I just want to, uh, I want to tackle one of these in particular. I, I want to try to get to all of them if possible. But um, uh, what if, here one question from Newton Hall. What if all the black owned galleries and artists focused on exhibiting and support only PRISM? How would it affect the matrix? Mm -hmm. And I, I can I can speak. Can I really uh, yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that our team sat down, you know, Genesis, myself, and Jeremiah, and several of the other artists, was that we we knew we were exhibiting with Prism, you know, and and it was just no if ands or but about it because if the support doesn't first and foremost come from us, then where can it come from? And we also understand understood the position that we were in. And we knew that with Genesis, you know, being so hot and all of that attention surrounding her in the gallery, that we would be able to direct a lot of the traffic that we were able to generate back to PRISM. Mm -hmm. So that was a conversation that we had and Mikalei and I, we've talked about that. And if we leveraged it, all of the black galleries, all of the black artists and made a decision, and we also put our money behind PRISM so that yeah. she had the resources that she needed there's no reason why that fair would not be successful. And Absolutely. I can speak to some of the names of the artists that had their first start with her. Yep. And where these artists are now and how they're household names in the art industry. Absolutely. I, I, I listen, I want to speak to that. I want to speak to, um, I just want to speak to in general as not only, not only in the art world in general, if we came together, you know, imagine what we could accomplish. So, in the black art space, um, you know, if, if black artists and gallerists, if we were to all come together, uh, uh, 
curators, cultural producers, all of us together. Listen, white collectors who want our work, they have to come to us, right? But instead what they do is, is that they poach the work, you know, they take the artists, promising the sun and the moon because they have all the privilege, they have all the resources, and our artists are, you know, they're trying to make a living, you know, so they go to these, these white-owned galleries, and that artwork and those artists leave our space forever. Like, they're gone. You know, once your work, Genesis, you know, as an artist, once your work goes to these, you know, some of these collections, we'll, our communities will never see that work again. So that's another thing. When Richard was talking about generational wealth and talking about, you know, colonialism in the art world specifically, um, we also lose our culture. You know, that's our culture that's being bought and sold and that disappears forever. And our kids, the next generation of young artists, will never see those works. You know, we'll never have access to them. So I think that as a community, we do need to think about how we're going to come together, how we are going to harness some of this wealth, the, the millions and billions of dollars of wealth that's being made off our backs again in this space how are we going to harness some of that we we need to have i think we need as a community need to have a reckoning and come together and speak to what genesis was talking about about being intentional about how how we are selling how how we are selling work who we're selling our work to where we're selling our work all of those conversations i think are very interesting um and and very very timely and I have the, oh my God, we're blowing up with questions here. We're blowing up. Let's see. Um, <laughs> hold on. Um, we were speaking on, let's see. Oh, this is a question for, and I, I don't think anyone here can answer this, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. It says, will you be speaking on what Untitled is doing? What changes will they make to the number of Black-owned galleries in their fair? So I don't work for Untitled, um, um, but I, I've thrown the question out there for Untitled. So... This is something that I'm sure they're probably tackling within their ranks. And uh, I'll be interested to see, and I'll be watching to see what changes they make as well, see what Black-owned galleries uh, get into the fair. Um, and and I'm I, can, I, can, I, can, I guess I can speak to that. We, oh, our sure. program actually applied to Untitled, you know, for uh, this upcoming year uh, in, uh, in Art Basel. Uh, we applied last year, uh, you know, and our program has grown a lot significantly you know, since the last year. So I think that having uh, discussions like this, uh, partnering with uh, Biden, uh, Art Space and Untitled with yeah. the release of uh, Genesis Tremaine's limited edition, that it begins to develop and build those relationships. You know, so now that we can possibly have these conversations and continue delving into it, which uh, hopefully will open that door and give us an opportunity to be able to have that type of platform to exhibit at Untitled. Awesome. So just really quickly to speak to that, I have a comment from Mark Jason. It says, for Genesis, not a question, but as chair of the board of New York Foundation for the Arts, I want to thank you so much for your collaboration on this project with Biden Art Space. We deeply appreciate it. So I just wanted to let you know that. It's very nice. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for that. Thank you. That's kind. <laughs> very kind. Of course. I'm excited about this. But I I'm I'm a little I'm a little tickled, you know, by, by some of the commentary I am because I because I think that when 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 you say things like, you know, that we sell our works uh to white collectors and we'll never see them again. Um, I think that even some of that jargon uh has to has to mature. Uh, I think we have to be intentional about who the white collectors are. <laughs> and I think there's definitely a way to do that. Uh, but I don't, I'm not going to, to denounce any of uh, what God has for me in this lifetime. And I've decided to God be all glory. Um, that for every piece that I paint for myself, I have to paint at least two or three for the Lord, right? And so that means that don't always assume that if you, you know, that if, I, if, if we are, uh, 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 if a white, if a piece is being collected uh, from a white collector, that it that it, it sails off into the sea and it's never seen again. That's not. That's just not true jargon. Um, I think we we have to be critically uh, We have to be really intentional about how we archive our works, where our works go, how we document our steps in this lifetime, so that our children can trace and find us in the next. But um, yeah, no, no, no. I I, I definitely think that um um um. Uh, it's not just, uh, it's more than just, yeah, they, they don't just go anywhere, you know. I'm yeah. very aware of where they are. 
<laughs> we lost you. We lost your uh, video there, Genesis. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There. I think archive is the key, and and um, and definitely. Um, wait. Oh, oh, reading questions. Okay. Yes, leading Vincent to, uh, yeah, archive is the key. I agree. And yes, I'm not saying that the work disappears. I'm just saying that, you know, as far as seeing some of those works in person, obviously those works go into private collections and, you know, you don't get to see them. But uh, yes, archiving is the key and developing a, developing a, a, a collector base, you know, being, know, knowing who your collectors are, knowing where your work goes, I think is a really important thing. You know, it's just knowing, be aware of where your work goes. Um, so I have another great question here. Let's see, hold on. Um, oh, uh, Mikhail, um, with the climate, with, with what's going on, particularly here in Miami, Mikhail and I are in Miami, um, mm -hmm. do you, are you planning for PRISM this year? What are your thoughts about the fair this year and what, what's happening? Um, so I literally have been ruminating on this for a while because, you know, um, I, I just want people to get healthy and um, and make sure that we we're not like a, a petri dish for <laughs> for the for the continuation of this of this thing. Um, so we're we're definitely going to be hosting the fair online um, for sure. Um, and so we'll have we're actually doing like a full rebrand and re redo of our website so that we will have the um, the capabilities to host the fair online. And then in the physical realm, we might do something very small, uh, maybe just have our like public pro programming, like our panel talks or maybe a performance or two um, live or in, in person. But I, I think that especially because this is a year that is essentially um, been very difficult for people of African descent. Um, I don't know that I, I think our, our health is also important. Um, and so I, I would be um, remiss to just, you know, kind of throw us in a, in a space where we could possibly be um, exposing ourselves to something. Um, and we don't, we don't want, we don't want the liability of making people sick. Um, so for, 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 for us, it's definitely important that we'll, we'll definitely have a, a virtual space. We'll have, you know, partnerships with, um, with, um, you know, Artsy and, and some other um, organizations that will help us get the word out about about the fair and um, you know partnering with um, Untitled and you know other organizations who really appreciate what we do. Yeah, great, great. Um, and Richard, um, so yeah, okay, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here in just a minute. But um, Richard, and so any last thoughts regarding um, regarding the conversation or any thoughts about, have you heard anything about what's happening with fairs uh, this, this fall and winter? I mean, I know that we are in the thick of it right here in Miami, so it's hard to predict anything. Um, but I'm just wondering what, what, whatever fairs you've applied to, have you heard any, any thoughts or projections for what's happening? Um, so Mikhail and I, we've been in conversation because obviously the um, intention was to participate in prison. Uh, we applied for Untitled, you know, so we're, I guess we're waiting to hear back from them. Um, a lot of it is up in the air. Uh, you know, we really don't know what the future holds. Uh, we, we're looking forward to the opportunity to uh, really get back into the way of not, I mean, we'll never go back to the way it was, um, but we're looking to going back to being able to have people come out and take a look at work and, and interacting uh, you know, with the public. Uh, the gallery has been closed since March. Um, you know, we, we haven't reopened. Uh, as of recently, we've been uh, by appointment only. You know, so just kind of like everything is on pause. You know, the programming that we had planned through the gallery, uh, you know, we put all of that on the back burner. Uh, you know, so as Michele said, we're just kind of focusing on uh, what's most important as far as the health within our community and how we could be a resource for that. And we'll take it one day at a time. Yeah, I think that's what we're all doing right now. Just taking it one day at a time. I think the most important thing is everybody stay safe, stay healthy. Um, and, and, and hopefully, you know, we'll all come out on the other side of this in a, in a much better place. Um, I think on that note, we can wrap it up. Um, I want to thank, um, but I think Emily's going to take over. Oh, I'm just going to read this one last thing. I think this is perfect. Uh, from KV Reed. Uh, it's key that more artists are aware of where their works go. 
they have more influence in what's perceived. It's also key that artists understand the importance of a state while they're still present. I think that's incredibly important, and that could be a whole other conversation about estate planning for artists. Um, but on that note, I'm going to let Emily take it. We're going to wrap up. I want to thank um, Richard Beavers from Richard Beavers Gallery, Mikhail Solomon from Prism, and of course, Genesis Tremaine, um, and her beautiful, beautiful work that's uh, um, and with her collaboration with Biden. So these prints are available. I think there's 50 available. And um, Emily is going to talk a little bit more about that. Thank you to Untitled. And uh, thank you again, Emily, for asking me to be here. And thanks to all of you that joined us today. Thank you. Thank you so much, thank you so much Donna Marie. And thank you again, Richard, Mikhail, and Genesis. Um, we are so glad and thank everyone that joined us. Um, once again, Untitled Art is, is so pleased to have partnered with our art space in Fiden uh, to launch the Untitled Art Charitable Artist Edition. Uh, featuring this great work um, on paper by Genesis Tremaine, which you see um, behind her, Black Woman University, um, which will debut during the preview of Untitled Art Online, uh, powered by Artland uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time um, on Thursday, July 30th. This digital archival print will be on display at Artspace and Fiden's booth. In addition to 50, the print is priced at $1,000 with proceeds from the sales supporting programming, fellowships, and grants at the New York Foundation for the Arts. Um, thank you again for attending today's talk. Please visit untitled.artland.com for more information about the fair and upcoming programs and to register to attend. So thank you all again, and we hope to see you soon. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>